Just where you're at, we're going to start with prayer. And I just want you to think about, we saw a video about a guy who gave his life to share the gospel with people in North Korea, a person who took it all and understood. And then we sing a song where we sing about standing with arms high and our heart completely abandoned to nothing else but Jesus. And so, Lord, today I pray that you would speak to us through the power of your word. I pray today that Jesus would be made much of. I pray today that we would not settle for an easy believism, that we would not uh, even settle for just life in the status quo, but God, that you would speak through us or to us and through us, and that God, you would use us in a great way. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may have a seat. Hey, I want to encourage you as we wrap up our last part or the last part of our vision series, one of the things that we've strived for or struggled with and want to make sure you understand is the goal that we have as a church. And one of the things that we said over and over and over again is to learn how to basically live with clarity and purpose. Now, we want you to live with clarity and purpose in everything that you do in your own lives. In other words, we want you to be parents with clarity and purpose. We want you to be people who are gonna work hard and work well with clarity and purpose. We want you to know that in everything that you do, you can live with clarity and purpose, knowing that you have some great things in store. One of the lies of Satan, I believe over and over and over again, is is that you don't matter, that you have no purpose, that you have no direction. And the reality is that God has a complete plan for you. He has a clear purpose. He has a clear direction. He wants you to accomplish great things. And a lot of times we look and we go, well, that's easier for you to say you're up on stage, but I live a normal life. And what I want you to understand is today, as we jump into a path of maturity, the sermon title today, I want you to understand this, that the reality is that the people who do the ministry of the church are the very people who are out in the world every day doing something else as well. In other words, you take the role and the responsibility, the giftings, the, 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 the opportunities, the passions that you have, that God uses them, God redeems them, God restores you, and then you are called to be sent out into the workplaces, into the field that you're in, to be a minister of the gospel to those who are outside. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter four. I've preached on this in the past, but we're gonna tie this into number one, your role and my role within the church, and then also to understand and to see what goes on in our own life. Now, with that, I wanna invite you, starting next week, we're starting a new sermon series. Matter of fact, the slide's gonna pop up here uh, in, a, in a brief second. Uh, you're gonna be un, uh, knowing what's going on. Ethan, this is the second time, dude. All right, I hate to crack down on you. There was a be thankful one on there that you just skipped. All right, thank you. Okay, that's my son. I can crack the whip a little bit. I don't normally do this, all right? But you gotta pay attention. There's a role and responsibility we got there. Listen, next week, uh, we are starting a new sermon series called Be Thankful having an attitude of gratitude in all seasons. Now, some of you may be in a season of struggle and difficulty, a a, a time of temptation and trial and things like that. What I want you to understand is it's okay. You're gonna go through peaks and valleys. You're gonna go through mountains or go through the mountaintop experiences. You're gonna go through the valleys. You're gonna go through struggles. You're gonna go through great things. And what we wanna really dig in as we jump into this Thanksgiving time is to really have an attitude of gratitude in all seasons. 
knowing that God wants to use those seasons to prepare me for what he has to do. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to continue on Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, uh, flip there. Ephesians chapter four, starting in verse 11, and follow along with me. Now, like I said, I preached on this about probably two years ago, but I wanna, I wanna change the direction just a little bit, and we're gonna jump in. Listen to what he says. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to what? For the equipping of the saints or to prepare God's people for works of service, that's what mine says, so that the body of Christ may be built up. In other words, strengthened, encouraged, equipped, all right? So he's doing this to prepare God's people for the equipping of the saints or for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Listen, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I said last week, and I wanna encourage you again today, that vision is a great thing and having a clear path or a plan to get where you're supposed to go is even better. And so today we're jumping into the sermon series with a sermon title called Path to Maturity. A lot of times, we have to understand that there is a path or a direction that I need to take in order to grow in my relationship, in order to become a person who is mature. And one of those things that we have to understand is that on that path, there is a direction, okay? As a matter of fact, when I go hunting, or if you're a person, anybody like to go hiking? We got any hikers in here? Okay, when you go out and you're ready to go on a hike, maybe you've got a trail picked out, you know what you're gonna need. You know, I'm gonna need water. You know that the trail may be so many miles. They're gonna be stopping points along the way. Matter of fact, one of the things I love, if you go out west, I don't notice it so much here, but out west, when growing up in Wyoming and then being in Montana and Colorado a lot, one of the things you'll see is along the roads, you'll be driving along, all of a sudden it's gonna say things like this. Point Lookout or Scenic View. Anybody ever been on those roads? You're like, oh, I'm gonna, I gotta check, check this out. We're gonna pull off the side, see what it is. Sometimes it's a, 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 you know, maybe you're on top of a mountain. There's this huge valley you look over. One of my favorite ones, there's this road called the Road to the Sun up near Glacier National Park in Montana. And you're driving along this road. It's just beautiful everywhere, but there's this little out area that you pull out, scenic view, and you're overlooking this huge lake with mountains everywhere. And it's one of the most beautiful, picturesque places I've ever been. And I think of places like that. And what I want you to understand is that there is a direction, there's a plan, there's this scenic view that you can pull along the side and you can get filled up and encouraged and built up. But I also want you to understand that vision is a huge, important thing. We have to have a path or a direction in our own lives in order to become mature. So listen to what Tony Evans says. He says this, and you may be on your own, you know, kind of figuring out where you're gonna be, but Tony Evans, a pastor down in Texas, says this, God will meet you where you are in order to take you where he wants you to go. And so here's one of the things, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this ready. We're gonna talk about a path to maturity. Matter of fact, I've got some things set up for you here in a little bit. I've got some guys who are gonna hand out some papers. We've never really done this before, but I want you to understand this, that our goal 
or our mission as a church, we say this consistently, is to take life in Christ to our neighbors and the nations. In order to take life in Christ to our neighbors and the nations, it takes more than one individual. It takes everybody. It takes part of the body, everybody doing their own part. As a matter of fact, if you were to read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you would understand the role of, of, of every part playing an important part or every person playing an important part in the body of Christ. So if our goal is to take life in Christ to our neighbors and the nations, that's our mission, then our vision is how we carry that out. And so you hear things like this. We believe or we're, we, we exist to basically lead people to believe the truth of Jesus Christ, all right? To acknowledge that Jesus died on the cross for their sins that they would understand that, that they would put their faith and trust in him. They would realize that Jesus has something bigger and better for them. It's not just to come into church and sit down here and do nothing. No, God has something even greater in store for you, all right? So to believe the truth of Jesus Christ, to belong to a cause bigger than themselves. We believe that causes the church. The Bible says that the church is the method of God to reach the people. The church is the people of God, and it is also the method of God. Not a building, but the people, and so if we want you to belong to a cause, we want you to belong to the church, to be a part of it so that you're growing in your relationship with Jesus and you're also able to fulfill the ministry that God has gifted you to do, so to belong to a cause. We also say that we want you to become everything that God created you to be. Matter of fact, there was this old, you know, be all that you can be. Oh, come on, you old people. All you, all, all you guys who are my age and older should know this. Be all that you can be in the... Okay, good grief. Thank you. You guys all like, what? What are you talking about? All right? But that's the idea. We want you to become the everything that God created you to be. And what I feel like is at times we are, we are good with settling for the status quo. As a matter of fact, you know, there's the old joke, well, that's good enough for state labor or that's good enough for government you know, labor, government work, or that's good enough for the highway department, or that's good enough for the labor. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Everybody says that about their job, but the reality is I want to ask you this. Are you willing to go above and beyond so you can grow in your relationship with Jesus and become everything that God created you to be? Because I believe wholeheartedly that most of us settle for status quo. Man, that's all right. I'm good. I got just enough Jesus to get by, but don't ask me to become a lunatic or to become crazy. You want me to become a full-fledged follower of Jesus? No, I'm good. I'll, I'll sit right here. No, we want you to become everything that God created you to be because who you were created to be is so much more than you can even imagine right now. And then the last thing we say is we want you to be sent to your neighbors. In other words, that you would carry the gospel to the people that you live next door to as well as to the nations, that you would be willing to listen to me if called by God, go to North Korea and share the gospel. I was, I was at the Missouri Baptist Convention this last week, Monday and Tuesday, actually Sunday night, Monday and Tuesday, um, and I got to talk to quite a few guys, and I'm sitting there talking to some guys, and they're like, I'm like, hey, where are you guys going? Because they told me, they're, hey, we're going on a mission field. They're like, I can't tell you. And it's like being in the Navy. I could tell you, but I have to kill you. And it's like, oh, but you know, we always joke around. We say that's the company guys. In other words, they're going to a closed location. Could be somewhere in the Middle East, they may be going to China. They may be going to North Korea. We don't know. 
And they have learned how to infiltrate certain areas like this where they go in and they start businesses and they connect with people in the hopes of sharing the gospel and making disciples and seeing churches planted around the world. And so here's what I want you to understand. There may be somebody here in the room today that maybe that's the call that God has placed on your life and there are just some things on the path to maturity that you gotta get in line so that you can fulfill the very mission that God has called you to. But I also want you to know that there are some people here today that you'd say, no, God's not calling me to uproot and move to North Korea or the Middle East or even to go to Haiti or wherever, but God has called me to live on mission. Now, I want you to understand that you can't sit in your seat and be a seat warmer and continue to move on the path to maturity to what God has called you to do because you've got to be an active part or an active participant in it. So we believe wholeheartedly, we want you, we want to invite you to be a part of what the church is doing. And so you're going to hear over and over and over again, listen, we're not a church, and I I say this with with no shame, all right? If you want to come in and sit and keep your seat warm, there's probably going to be another church for you. And I don't mean that in a bad way. We're giving you an early exit plan, okay? Eject, get out, all right? You've got that option, But if you want to come in and sit, and listen to me, we believe wholeheartedly that there are times and places where you might need some healing, you may need some strength, you may need some encouragement, maybe life has beat you down. But I want you to understand this, that for people to come in and sit for years on end and never be a part of the ministry of the church, it's over. At least here. And I would venture to say that in many churches that I've talked with pastors about, it's going that direction as well, okay? The reason being is this, Jesus never called us to come in and sit in a worship service and not change the world. Jesus called us to change the world and we come to a worship service to get renewed, to get energized, to get fulfilled, to be together, to build each other up so that we can go back out and ring ourselves back out to give everything we got for the gospel. And so as we jump into this last and final sermon, I want you to understand that I believe wholeheartedly that God has given us a very specific mission. It's not something new. It's not something great, grand that, hey, it's just our church. We're the only ones that figured this out. No, we're just being obedient to what God has called the church to do in the first place. But I want you to understand this, that we wanna give everybody an equal opportunity in being a contributor to everything that God wants to do in and through the church. Remember, the church being people. And here's why. We have some very specific that God has given us to accomplish, and we don't have five, 10, or even 20 years to waste with a bunch of people sitting on their butts listening to a big blowhard preach. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Thank you. Somebody obviously got that. We don't. I'll be honest with you. As a pastor, one of the things you have to understand, it's already hard enough as it is. You want to know why it's hard to be a pastor? When you leave work every day, most of you feel like you accomplished something. You helped so many customers, you worked on so many cars, you accomplished all of these things, whatever it is. You know what a pastor does? He's like, I talked with these people, I'm making disciples, and a pastor's role oftentimes is seen so many years down the road that we don't understand everything that's going on. And I can tell you this, that pastor after pastor I've known is seeing that, they're struggling with it, and they quit. But I want to encourage you with this. The greatest responsibility, the greatest encouragement for a pastor is this, that when the pastor says, hey, this is the direction we're going, 
This is what the Bible's laid out before us. I'm gonna stand before you and humbly submit and say, I don't know everything under the sun. I hope you understand that. I'm not a dictator. I've got a certain way that I believe that we need to accomplish things. But I also want you to understand this. I believe wholeheartedly that God wants to accomplish something great in our church. The simple fact is this. We have to have a path to maturity so that we can accomplish what God wants us to do. Think about this. For those of you who are grandparents, those of you who used to be parents but aren't grandparents yet, those of you who are currently parents now, how many of you would say, I would love it if my kid never grew up and they were always in the two-year-old range? Right? Right? Like, I love kids. I love my kids. My kids get on my nerves at times, but that's part of me just being the parent. I love your kids. I will hold your kid. I will call them. I will play with them. I'll, I'll, I'll try and get them to laugh. Sometimes they cry, but I want you to understand this. All right? I love to go, here you go. They're all yours. Because I'm going to go home and I'm going to go to sleep. And I know that a crying baby ain't going to wake me up. That's the beauty of it now. Our kids, right, right, right? Our kids are old enough now. If they're crying, there's something wrong, okay? All right? But if you, as a believer, come into a church and you never mature, you're always two. There's a problem. And so when I say this, I wanna say it very clearly that God has called you to do something. So listen, here's the big idea. The church has been gifted in order to help us mature and work together to become more like Christ. The church has been gifted in order to help us mature and work together to become more like Jesus. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand right here and understand what's going on. So here's the question. What does the path to maturity look like? Number one is this, that Jesus gifts people for ministry. In other words, listen to what he's saying here again. It was he who gave some, gave. You get that big picture? In other words, the Lord has raised up people who are gonna be called to be apostles and prophets and preachers and pastors and teachers and leaders. He gave those, that's a gift to the church. He has raised them up, he's called them, he's gifted them with those talents and abilities because he called them out, he's spirit-filled them and as a result, because, listen to me, and I say this wholeheartedly, with when God called me to ministry, it was like, hey, what are you gonna do? I don't know, I hate teenagers and I don't wanna preach. That pretty much eliminates 90% of most pastors, right? I mean, I'm not trying to, literally. It's like, hey, dad, I feel called to ministry. But I don't want to preach, and I really don't like teenagers. I was 23, sorry, just to let you know, all right? <laughs> so, but in that, God called me up, and God used some things to get me to where he wanted me to be, not where I was at. So Jesus gifts people for ministry. And what you have to begin to understand as we look at this, it's not my job. Listen to me, hear this out. Again, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for what? Works of service. So listen, it's not my job to do the work of the ministry. You understand that part? Okay, it's my job to do works of ministry outside. It's my job to prepare you as well to do works of ministry. Here's how this plays out. Instead of being a church of one minister, we are a church of 70 ministers. 
Do you understand that part now? Now do you understand what's going on? Because I've heard people say, well, that's the pastor's job. Matter of fact, when I first got here, a gentleman came to me at one point and said, basically, I was the most terrible pastor in the world. And then he also said this, it's your job to disciple everybody. At which point I said, no, it's not. You're part of the, pro- you're part of the solution. You can help me with discipling people. He said, nope, that's not my job. It's a complete misunderstanding of the biblical text. Because the role of every one of these gifts, remember the gifts that God gave, that God gave these leadership people to the church, the role of every one of those is to prepare God's people for works of service. Here's another way to play it out. If I was to go in, we're getting ready to get a Planet Fitness, it's gonna open up right by our house. I was gonna go into Planet Fitness, I'm gonna pay a membership fee, I'm gonna say, hey, I want a personal trainer who's gonna train me to, to get in shape. All right, he's gonna, he's gonna put my body through the, through the ringer. He's gonna, we're gonna lift weights, we're gonna be running, we're gonna do all these things. If I went in there and I said, hey, I want you to make me the most fit person in the world, here's the only deal. I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna watch you do it. Does that make me fit? Does that help me get stronger? Does that help me mature in my physical prowess. No. I can't live it out through somebody else. And listen, here's what I want you to understand. A lot of times, this is what ends up happening in the church. We kind of live it out vicariously through somebody else. Oh, look at that. That's so great. That's so awesome. And we, listen, we want to brag on people who are doing well. But what I want you to understand is this, that God has something greater in store for you than you can even ask or imagine right now. And he wants to do the exact same thing. Maybe not same thing, but he wants to do it in you. He wants to unleash the power of the spirit in you to prepare you for works of service. So listen, Jesus gifts people for ministry. Matter of fact, if you were to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'm gonna flip over there just real quick and I wanna read it to you just so you know. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse seven says this. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. In other words, that everybody who is a part of the body of Christ is given the gifts of the spirit for the common good, that we can come together. See, it's not that the three trails has one minister, but that we have a church that has 70 ministers positioned around the city to make the manifold wisdom of God made known to our city and the world. And so here's what I want you to think about. I've often thought about this, but I love to coach baseball, obviously. Coached my son for years. And I believe our boys have a blast. I believe they practice hard. I believe they, they love it. Why? Because they get to play. Could you imagine if we did nothing but practice? Practice, 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 never play a game. No, they get to play. They get to put what they practice into action. Listen, there are many people in the church, here's what you do. You practice, you practice, you practice, you practice. You got the Bible down. You may come to Sunday school. Maybe it's a life group. You got that down. You know the root. Matter of fact, you, you, you maybe even, are, maybe you're the Baptist worship guy, like T-Rex arms. Don't go too high because they are charismatic. Right? You got the practice down, but you're not putting into action everything that God's doing in your life. Matter of fact, it's kind of like <laughs> all the way out to Wyoming, I listened to a lot of sports talk. You know how many people knew every problem or every solution to every problem for like every NFL team? 
like everybody's calling in, giving their advice about why the chiefs are doing this or why somebody's doing that, what, what they need to straighten out. What they, the reality is you're a, you're a fan. You're not even knowing the situation and circumstances of everything that's going on on the field. You don't know the inner workings of the locker room. You don't know what's going on in practice. You don't know what's going on in game film and times behind. You don't know what the coaches are working on. You don't know any of that. But we look from a distance. We go, well, that's the issue. When the reality is what you need to be is involved with the team. And so what we want you to do is we want you to be a part of it. Jesus gifts people for ministry. Listen, number two, maturity takes preparation. Listen to what he says. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. In other words, to grow in maturity means I gotta put in some time. Remember what I talked about going back to Planet Fitness or whatever we wanna talk about? I have to put in time and effort if I wanna get stronger, if I wanna lose weight, or if I wanna gain weight, if I wanna get some stamina with running, I have to practice, I have to do all of those things so that I'm maturing in my physical ability. And what we have to understand is you and I have to put in practice, we have to prepare, we have to do that in order to grow. And so it enables or prepares others to exercise their own respective ministries so the body is built to maturity, wholeness, and unity. Listen again what he says. To prepare God's people for works of service so the body of Christ may be built up, may be strengthened, may be equipped. We want to understand and we want to lead that out. The body is built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. That's what he says. So listen, the reason God gives us these individuals is so that he can prepare us for works of service so that we're all ministering the gospel out in our community, out in the areas of need, out in our workplaces. And then as a result, because of that, we grow up into maturity as we do this stuff. And as we grow up, guess what happens? There's unity. Unity around the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, so that, listen, my preferences don't dictate or drive the direction of the church, but rather it's only the gospel that is proclaimed that we follow. The only thing that we want to do is to follow that. So we have to understand that. Matter of fact, I've said this quote, and I'll say it again. Francis Chan said it, our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. The path to maturity takes preparation. I put a lot of time into coaching my son's baseball team. The question is, do you put as much time into things like discipling your kids as you do into things like that? The path to maturity takes preparation, number two. Number three is this. What does a path to maturity look like? It leads to growth and love. Listen to what he says in verses 14 and following. Then we will no longer be infants. Listen, there's a point in time where we have got to move on beyond infant stage. We're tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. What we have to begin to understand is that as an infant, there's going to be ignorance and instability, right? As a matter of fact, an immature person is usually highly ignorant, and very unstable. When I say that, I say it very clearly. As I'm, as I'm thinking about this, as a teenager, when you're starting to mature and starting to grow, there's still a lot of immaturity there. There's a lot of instability, and here's why. Because teenagers 
are very good at being chameleons. In other words, who I'm around is who I'm going to act like. That's instability. That's insecurity and that's immaturity. Why? Because we're doing things to try and please others so they'll accept us rather than saying, this is me. You either like me for who I am or you're not going to like me. But the simple fact is we're very good at being chameleon-like when we're immature. We try and blend in, try and do what the crowd is doing when the reality is that following Jesus was not a call to be a chameleon. Following Jesus was a call to be different, to stand out, not to blend in, but to love others. And listen, the big picture we have to begin to understand is what he says here. Then, as a result of working through the path of maturity, we will no longer be infants. In other words, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men. Immature believers run to everything that's taught and believe everything that's said. Matter of fact, you know, the, the joke, if you remember the old, you know, there's this guy, it's a commercial, I can't remember, he's walking down and this lady's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm gonna be dating a French model. And you guys remember this commercial? He walks up and he's like, big guy, really kind of goofy looking. And he walks up and he's like, bonjour. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is what oftentimes ends up happening. We're good at that. We believe things that aren't lining up with scripture. And one of the things we have to begin to understand is that truth is truth based upon what scripture says, not based upon what everyone else says. As a matter of fact, it says this, that we have to understand that it would be like a small rudderless boat. If you've ever been on a small boat when the water's a little bit crazy, especially one without a rudder, it just goes wherever the heck it wants, especially when the wind's blowing. And so the path of maturity leads to growth and love. And so what we see in verse 15 and following is this, that as we mature, we speak the truth in love. And as a result, we will in all things grow into him who is the head, that is Christ. So this path of maturity allows me to grow. And so we grow in love and we grow more and more into who Jesus is and what he wants us to be. And so through Jesus, we grow and we build ourselves up in love as each part does its work. Because listen to verse 16, from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. In other words, the path of maturity takes action as well. So he said that there's a path to maturity and we have to understand that Jesus gifts people for ministry. Number two, that maturity takes preparation. Number three, that it leads, maturity leads to growth and love. And then we have to understand also that when we do our part, we're able to accomplish this. I've got Joe and I believe Darren are gonna hand something out to you real quick. I wanna go over these quickly before we wrap up. I want you to understand that as a member of the church, and some of you are kind of, uh, to a certain extent, I would say grandfathered in, you were members before we started our membership process, but every member understands the role. Number one, there's an old American Express commercial, membership has its privileges. And likewise, membership has its privileges. In other words, you get to be a part of the body, you get to invest in, and you get to have a say in things, and you get to, you know, there are certain things that we allow you to vote on. It's not a complete um, chaos. You get to vote on certain things. But here, I'm gonna go over real quickly the six 
Listen to me, the six commitments, the six covenants that every member needs to agree upon or should agree upon. And these are six things based upon scripture, not anything else. And then I'm gonna unpack one more thing. But I want you to understand this, that our vision is that membership matters. And with membership mattering, that there is a role and responsibility. Number one is this. If you got your blanks, you can fill them in. Number one is we want everybody to gather to worship. Now, the reason we do this is because we believe wholeheartedly based upon the scriptures you have below that we don't want to forsake meeting with one another. So we're asking every member to gather to worship regularly. We're not going to be legalistic about it. We're not going to say, hey, you haven't been here Every week, we know that there's vacations, we know there's sicknesses, we know there's things like that, but you need the body of Christ. I need the body of Christ to grow together. So we gather in worship. Matter of fact, we say this in our membership class. If after six months you haven't attended church, you're moved into inactive role, okay? After a year, if you have no longer attended our church, you are automatically removed as a member. There's a reason for that. Membership has its privileges, number one. Number two, membership means you're a part of the body. And if you're not here for a year, you're not a part of the body. So we gather to worship. Number two is this. We grow in a gospel multiplying community. Hear me out when you hear this. Our church is wanting to plant churches and replant churches. But we believe that takes place by seeing life groups and Sunday school classes multiply. Not grow to numbers of 50 and 100, but rather multiply out. We want groups to meet together. They're gonna multiply out. So if we have a life group that grows to 20, guess what we're gonna ask? Hey, you guys need to split. We're gonna ask that that person, whoever's the leader of that life group, is raising up somebody, discipling somebody, so that they can go out and start another life group. Maybe even taking some of the people from that life group so you have a good core group. We want to see that played out in churches as well. So we want, to, we want you, we're asking you as a member to grow in a gospel multiplying community. So here's what we ask. You got to be committed to one form of discipleship at least. We're asking that you attend Sunday morning, Sunday school or a life group. If you want to do both, great. We're not going to take that away. That's a path to maturity. Number three, you guard the unity of the church. Hear me out. This is the most important thing, I believe, when it comes to inside biting or inside fighting that can take place. Guarding the unity of church means that I refuse to gossip. One of the biggest problems in churches is that when we start gossiping about everybody else behind the back instead of going to the person we may be having a struggle with. I refuse to gossip. I will follow the church leaders around me. That means that sometimes I gotta follow my life group leader. All right, number four, I will go to the world. I'm gonna pray for the lost. I'm gonna invite unchurched people to attend. I'm gonna be trained to take the gospel to the lost and I'm gonna warmly welcome those who are guests. Number five, gifts and service. I will discover my gifts, my talents and abilities. I will be equipped by my pastors, teachers and leaders to be able to use my gifts and put them into practice. And number six, we or I will be generous in my actions. I'd say this, consistently. What you have to understand, churches cost money. Matter of fact, if you haven't seen lately, we have hemorrhaged money at times, thanks to our furnace and AC units being stolen and things like that. We've had to replace a roof. Here's what I always ask everybody. Matter of fact, if you're not a member, please don't take this as this is the main thing. But I want you to understand this. Members, we're asking you not to give by designating money. There's a reason we have a finance team. 
And our finance team makes the decisions. They, you could meet with any one of our finance team. I don't come in there and go, this is the way it's going to be. This is the way you guys don't have a say in it. We talk this out. And listen, if you designate money, here's the biggest struggle we have. We still have to make ends meet. We have electric bills. We have insurance we have to pay for. A quarter of our budget last year, one quarter of our budget, went to electric, gas, and insurance. One quarter. Our budget was $103,000. We spent $26,000, $13,000 in insurance. And by the time we paid for all the electric and gas because of everything that we do, it was almost $13,000. Heating a building and cooling a building this size is not cheap. So when I say that, and we're gonna talk more about this later, we're gonna do some at the end of the year or the, the beginning of the new year, where we're gonna talk, we wanna talk finances. We'll talk giving, but we want you to succeed and be blessed by God to put yourself in a position of blessing, all right? But we ask completely that if you're a member, to be a part of being generous in giving the tithe to the church first and foremost. And then here's what I wanna do. I just wanna quickly draw something that we're working on and we're gonna start to talk about this wholeheartedly. But the path to maturity has a starting point and let's say there's an ending point, all right? Ending being, I died. <laughs> okay, this means I'm a new creation. I'm just gonna put NC, new creation. I became a believer in Jesus. I am dead and no longer alive. But we wholeheartedly want you to, to walk on a path that would literally get you into a point of growth and maturity along that way. And on the path, we're gonna have things along here that point you in the direction. So we have our new members class, all right? I'm just gonna put new members. Good night, I can't spell. That's our new members class. But before our new members class, we're having a new thing we're gonna start called Trailhead. This is gonna be the trail to maturity. And along this trail, there are gonna be opportunities for you to go what we'll call backcountry. Any of you ever been skiing? I'm talking to city folks. I don't even know why we're talking about this. If you go skiing, you go off in the backcountry, all right? You get to see things you didn't get to see before. So we're gonna have classes along the way that you're gonna be able to go into the backcountry and get experience. Things like we're gonna start next week how do I grow in my relationship? In other words, how do I mature? How do I spend time reading the word? How do I commit to growing in those things like that? So these things are gonna be out here called these backcountry things that are off the beaten path. If you've ever gone on a trail or a hike, and like I said, I'm talking, I know to big city people, I'm from Wyoming. We don't follow trails. We make our own, okay? But if you're in Yellowstone, it's good to stay on paths and trails, you go to Glacier National Park. We used to have these walking sticks when we went to Glacier National Park to have bells on them because you didn't want a grizzly to come in and attack you. So we're walking along, ching, 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 you hear the bells going along all the way through that process. This process of developing and growing, you're gonna get consistently released to you over and over and over again. And so I wanna leave you with that. And I'm sorry I've gone over, I went long. This is what happens. But I wanna ask you this question very simply. Are you willing to commit to a path of maturity so that you can grow? Are you willing to become a disciple of Jesus to commit to saying, hey, I wanna be a part of something that changes the world? Do you wanna see your friends who are lost come to Jesus 
and even be a part of this church. If they're not a part of this church, that's fine. We want to get them connected in another church. But I want to say, do you want to see a part or be a part of seeing your friends come to Jesus to change their lives, to change their marriages, to change their families, and as a result, to change our community? If you do, then we're asking you to commit to becoming a part of the path to maturity, to grow, to begin to walk. We're asking you to commit to those six things as a member. If you're not a member, listen, we're gonna have our new members class here again coming up. After I go through, we're gonna do five weeks of what it means to grow. If you're interested in that, come and see me afterwards. We're gonna have it during Sunday school starting next week, five weeks, and then you'll be out. Very simple, very short, giving you an opportunity and a chance to grow in your relationship. How do I, how do I read the word? How do I pray? Those are the basics, the very fundamentals to where then I can move on to What's the Old Testament, New Testament? How does that apply? How does this all tie in together? I'll tell you after the new year, I've got an 18-week course that I'll teach where we'll do a flyover. I've done it for all of you who have been here for six years. I've done it twice before. You'll have 18 weeks. We'll do about nine in the Old Testament, nine in the New Testament. It gives you an overview of the whole Bible. But I'm asking you to commit to that. Don't be a pew sitter. Be a part of the process. Let's pray. Well, Father, we know that there's a lot to take in and there's a lot of struggles. And we know along the way that we're gonna face difficulties and and trials. We're gonna have temptations and struggles. But Lord, we also know that you have called us. You have called us not to a, a life of easy believism, but you have called us to be disciples who are gonna make disciples. So God, may that be the cry of our heart. May that be what our church is about, that we wanna see life uh, taken to those who are our neighbors, and to the nations. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Here's our-